0: This is Movies on TV Podcast Industries with our spoiler filled discussion of Thor, Love, and Thunder.
1: They're in the Shadow Realm. How do you know? The atmosphere there has a darkness like no other. This is if color fears to tread, it's unmistakable.
2: Well, then, if it's color we need, let's bring the rainbow
0: the rainbow was that a catchphrase or something she's only been a thaw for a minute i mean saving life she's quite good at but the rest of it she needs work how many catchphrases have there been a lot yep jump the gun well, hang on he moves through shadows and he's going to the shadow realm it seems like that's where he's going to be the most powerful
1: you're hey, right we can't just go marching in there it could be a trap
0: are you thinking what i think you're thinking i'm thinking it what are we thinking you're thinking what I'm thinking it too omnipotent, omnipotent
1: city, city. Mm.
0: Welcome back, fellow defenders. This is Movies on TV Podcast Industries, and we are discussing Thor, Love, and Thunder. I'm one of your hosts, John.
1: I'm one of your other hosts, Derek.
2: And much like a screaming goat in Taylor Swift's beautiful song Trouble, I am Chris. god, it never gets old. Oh, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> Absolutely. I am a, I'm a few weeks out from this and I'm still giggling every time <laughs> I hear that screaming goat. Sh- Definitely. Every time.
1: Absolutely. And just in case some of our fellow defenders don't know this, because I'd completely forgotten about it. There was a meme going around about 10 years ago of Taylor Swift's song Trouble, where uh, just after she sang her lyric Trouble... The screaming sheep came in. This apparently went around set with uh, Taiko Otsuki, and I thought this is the perfect thing to incorporate in my movie. So, uh so I had completely forgotten about it. I absolutely remember sharing it with all of my friends <laughs> ten years ago, uh, and then looking back at it uh, last week, it's still just as funny it as it was. It is
0: hilarious you know. and comedy-wise better than Korg.
1: Yes, yes. We'll get there. We'll get there as we get through our discussion of this movie. We'll be going into spoiler-filled detail of Thor Love and Thunder, of course, uh, as we always do. So make sure you've got to see it in the cinema if you're uh, if you're interested in seeing it. Should they go and see it? Why about How about starting right there, John? What do you think?
0: For me, this is the best uh, Taika Waititi movie in Marvel. I know he's only done two. Yes. It sounds a bit of a slag, <laughs> shall we say, no. but it's not really. I, I really enjoyed this. I love the sensibility of it. I love the humour, in particular, the screaming goats Mm -hmm. slash sheep. Um, So, yeah, for me, I really came out of this movie having had
1: a really good time. Excellent, excellent. Chris, how about yourself overall? We haven't actually heard Chris's thoughts of this movie, so this will be the first time we'll hear whether he likes it or not.
2: (laughs) So I'm going to defer to you first, Mm -hmm. because you are the person I am so curious to know (laughs) Like, I I have thoughts. They range from good to bad and everything in between. But I really just want to know what I I haven't heard you. All you've just said is I've seen it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is coming. I am questioning the man, ladies and gentlemen, who at one point said Thor Ragnarok was the worst Marvel movie in to date.
1: I wouldn't say I ever said it was the worst. I did say I didn't like it, um, but it is. I was actually trying to build tension, Chris, because there has <laughs> been a discussion among our uh, our listeners on TV podcast industries as to whether I would like this movie at all, uh, considering the uh, the humor, considering Takahata's involvement in it. Uh, this is miles better than Thor Ragnarok. It's uh, a, an actual film. It's got a storyline. It's got characterization. It's got good humor. doesn't outstay its welcome. Yeah, they really enjoyed it and came out, uh, came out smiling and laughing uh, all the way through throughout the film and have been laughing at a lot of it uh, since. But I think the story is actually really good. The actual seriousness that's involved there uh, does... Um, Lean into Taika Waititi's best instincts. So uh, there's some other reasons why it's good as well, uh, which we'll definitely go into when we go through our spoilerful discussion.
2: Okay, so now I'm going to shock and awe uh, our listeners. I was kind of meh. I'm uh, yes. honestly, it was, it was fine. I had some really fun laughs. Mm-hmm. The screaming goat. Every time made me giggle, belly laughed, like it rumbled, it shook. Definitely. But then at the same point, some of it, I just was like, that's a really weird cut. Why? Like there's logically, logical fallacies in the story that I just was like, I'm not quite sure what you're doing here. And at the end, it made sense, two parts of it, because they set certain things up like a connection to the name of the film um, of Mm -hmm. why they call it that. And (laughs) I'm like, okay, it gets you there in the end.
1: Yeah. So maybe, but
2: (laughs) I just, I, 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 it was a strong, it was good. (laughs) I rushed to rewatch no way home. Multiverse of madness. As soon as I could, as soon as they were available. This one, I'm like, Until there's an actual need, it's not that hard to remember all the major story points, and I kind of got yeah, absolutely. So for me, it was like a solid good.
1: Excellent, Eh? excellent. Well, since Chris has been struggling to uh, to avoid spoilers uh, in his his thoughts, there should we get into the actual podcast about uh, the movie? But go see it, I think, from two of us anyway.
0: Yes, absolutely. Let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion. But before we do, if you are joining TV Podcast Industries for this movie, um, you are very welcome. Mm -hmm. You can head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and subscribe to our podcast. We Mm -hmm. cover movies, but as the title would suggest, we mainly cover TV, so if you're Mm -hmm. also interested in the Marvel Netflix or Marvel Disney Plus as well as a whole range of other shows that we cover yeah. as well then please uh, subscribe to any good or evil podcast catcher of your choice. Yes,
1: we just finished uh, Miss Marvel, just finished The Boys on uh, on Prime Thank Video you. and just started up uh, Umbrella Academy we will be starting The Sandman uh, coming next month uh, from Netflix as well. So lots and lots of comic book content on TV that we're covering.
0: Yeah. So, Derek, who gave us what, were, when, how, if, but, why, maybe? With this film. With this movie, indeed.
1: Well, movie directed by Taika Waititi, who we've mentioned uh, already, uh, who's directed uh, the movie Swap We Do in the Shadows, uh, Hunt for the Wilderpeople, Thor Ragnarok, and uh, The Mandalorian, uh, episode four of The Mandalorian, um, a really good episode as well. Um, Taika Waititi does usually work uh, in collaboration with Jermaine uh, Clements on most of his TV shows, Um I want to call it out right here. He did not write Thor Ragnarok. Lots of people thought he had a lot of involvement in it, but he did a lot of uh, on set uh, kind of play with the actors and a lot of those takes made it into the movie, but he was not the writer on that on that movie. This time around, he is writing it. Uh, he he uh, did the story for this movie and wrote alongside Jennifer Caton Robinson, uh, who was a consulting producer on Hawkeye, the, the TV show that we uh, that we covered here in TV podcast industries as well. So um, I think that's part of the reason why this is a better movie than, than Ragnarok is because of his involvement involvement there uh, Eric Pearson was a writer on uh, on the last movie along with Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost all involved in the MCU so they had a very MCU story that was getting a touch of Taiko Waititi on top of it whereas this is his movie uh, through and through really uh, I also want to give a huge shout out to the editors for this movie uh, Peter S. Eliot, Tim Roach, uh, Matthew Schmidt and Jennifer Vaccarelio. um the reason why is because the original assembly cut for this movie is four and a half hours long and I'm telling you right now, if I was watching a three-hour version of this movie, that would be worse than Ragnarok, I would say. And so uh, so I'm going to give a huge, huge shout-out to the editors because they did a great job in assembling a pretty great movie. So, uh, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Thor Love and Thunder?
0: Sure. In a barren desert, Gore and his daughter struggle to stay alive. But despite their prayers to their god, Rappu, his daughter dies. In Rappu's lush realm, Gore's plight and grief and his many years of devotion are dismissed by Rappu, who proceeds to strangle him. But the god-killing Necrosword who called Gore to Rappu's realm offers itself to Gore, who kills Rappu with it and vows to kill all gods. But all wielders of the Necrosword are cursed with impending death from the sword's corrupt influence." As Gore rampages across the galaxy exacting his revenge on gods, his next target is New Asgard that brings him into the crosshairs of Thor, the God of Thunder. Thor arrives in New Asgard just as Gore attacks, using the power of the sword to manipulate shadows and produce monsters. In the heat of battle, Thor is surprised to find Dr. Jane Foster wielding Meow Meow or Molnir. After Mjolnir had reforged and bonded itself to a dying Jane Foster, due to an enchantment Thor had unknowingly placed on it many years earlier to protect Jane Foster. He teams up with her, Valkyrie and Korg and fights Gore from New Asgard, but as he escapes, Gore kidnaps several Asgardian children and imprisons them in the Shadow Realm. Thor learns where the children are being held after being contacted by Axel, Heimdall's son, and decides to form an army of gods to rescue them. They travel to Omnipotent City, but Zeus, fearing Gore, refuses to help and they must escape the city on their own to pursue Gore. Arriving at the Shadow Realm, the children are missing and Jane Foster deduces that the kidnappings were a trap, as Gore needs Stormbreaker in order to enter the realm of eternity, who can grant his wish to destroy all gods. Ambushed, Gorr overpowers the group, severely injuring Valkyrie, and managing to take Thor's axe. At Eternity's altar, Thor and Jane Foster must fight to save the Children of Asgard and the survival of gods. They destroy the Necrosword, freeing Gorr from its influence, and the three are brought into Eternity's realm. But Jane is at death's door, weakened from using Mjolnir, and with Gorr poised to make his wish, the outcome is uncertain. Thor implores Gore to revive his daughter instead of destroying the gods, and moved by Thor's tenderness with Jane, he wishes for eternity to revive his child, which it grants. In the aftermath, Jane Foster's sacrifice is honoured in New Asgard, where Valkyrie and Sif begin training the children. Thor adopts Love, Gore's resurrected daughter, who joins him wielding Mjolnir in his heroics. In a mid-credit scene back in Omnipotent City, a recuperating Zeus sends his son Hercules to kill Thor. And in a post-credit scene, Foster arrives at the gates of Valhalla, where she is welcomed by
1: Heimdall and thanked for helping his son. Got a little tear at that uh, at that final moment, Um must say. What a, what a weird thing for a post-credit scene to do in Marvel. They usually make me laugh or, uh, or make me look forward to the next movie, but uh, I thought that was a beautiful way to close out the movie.
2: Oh, it was absolutely gorgeous. Like, honestly, the two post credits, one got me excited for the future. Mm-hmm. Two, the second one actually just made me happy that she's given a story. And also as part of that, she potentially yeah. can come back, but yeah. just not as her comic book accurate character. Yeah. And the overall ending was actually kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, it was a nice ending for the film in love and thunder absolutely and the like again i alluded to it slightly which is my that the explanation of the name of the film made me go oh my god that was actually it's not just a a joke it's not just a a kind of we're going to talk about the thunder and being in love about it like no it's actually (laughs) the name and it's such a well that's a well-written piece that i was just very very happy with
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. But shall we get into our first point of our top five? First off, point one, the intro and Gore the the God Butcher.
1: Yeah, we usually talk about the intros uh, for the MC movies yeah. when, we're, when we're talking about the movies. Um, really intriguing that we start here with... Uh, with um, Gore the God Butcher as our opening because it's a dark opening. Um, You know, you come into this movie and everybody's telling you, "Hey, it's that hilarious. (laughs) It's from that hilarious guy who did uh, who did Ragnarok." And they kick it off with a really dark scene uh, about a father losing his daughter um, in the desert because, uh, in his mind, his gods turned his back on him. Um, Interesting way to way to kick off the movie, and it's not a tone setter. The movie doesn't stay in this place, but it is telling you that it is. uh, It's a serious story to begin with.
0: Yeah, definitely, but it it doesn't say in that place, but darkness is peppered uh, all the way through this, mm-hmm. and and really quite nicely, whether it's in the shadow realm mm-hmm. or, or whether even sort of right at the end uh, of, of this as well, uh, in the fight at, at uh, the the altar of eternity. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's peppered really nicely uh, through this. Uh, all the way, but certainly it is a big statement uh, about God's not coming to the rescue of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, yeah, it it was really good. And, I mean, just to connect this, for me, um, absolutely one of the best things from this movie is Christian Bale as Gore. I mean, I'm a massive Christian Bale fan, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'll just put that out there. But I thought, like, you know, this... This was done really well. His The tenderness for his, his daughter, Love. The, the, the righteous anger when faced with uh, that first god, Rapu mm-hmm. in his lush, oasis-like realm that he's kind sure. of been drawn to. So uh, just sort of that realisation, um, at least for his god uh, with mm-hmm. Rapu, that he isn't interested in his devotees. So yeah. it, it was... It was really sort of emotionally played. You could see why someone as emotionally raw that um Gore was there would and given he had his god's hands round his throat, mm-hmm. would whether there was a choice or not, given he was being strangled to death, would yeah. pick up that sword um as such uh, to to kill Rapu. I say pick up as such because I loved how this uh, necromancer, the god killing necromancer sword, um, was used in terms of it fading away and then coming to where it was needed. And yeah. In this instance, it came to Gore's hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. There's a really fantastic moment where Gore is walking across the shadow realm. Um, And it just pops up after it's been lost in Mm -hmm. in the battle or in the fight, I think. And it just comes up and and his hand doesn't move it, but just collects it. I really love that feature of the the sword. It's very cool.
2: Yeah. Um, This is going to be controversial, Mm -hmm. but I just mean it in the style. This is Christian Bale's Heath Ledger Joker. He's taken a character that most people would have portrayed X way and he's very much made it his own. And I can see why he's decided to join the MCU as this character. Like he was like, okay, I'm going to get to do it as my take on it. It's my choice. Like yeah. the accent, the scene when he's in the cage with the kids, yeah. he had something in mind and he went for it.
1: Yes, he did. Yep.
2: And I like, he stuck to it. Like, because in the, um, in the comic books, Gore is—it's pretty similar. It's—it's it's not massively different, but it's somewhat different yeah. in like the origin and how it is. But he's like Gore is just like straight up evil, menacing. Like he's just your your straight up bad guy mm-hmm. who just is out for blood, guts, and gore. Yeah, like kill yeah. all gods. That's what he does. That's mm-hmm. nothing else. there is. Very little about the child storyline. Mean, yes, his child does die, but like it's whole, his whole family dies. Yes, and he blames the the, the actual gods.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's only a touch of that here. You do hear that it's, he's the last of his entire yes. people, the last of the people that worshipped Rahu is standing in front of Rapu, asking for help. And Rapu's going, that's your job. You're supposed to sacrifice yourselves for us gods while we sit here and eat all the fruits and laugh at your misfortune, basically. So no wonder he turns the way yes. he does. Um, he's a grieving character as well. From from that moment onwards, from the moment his daughter dies, he's in full grief. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's almost like this power is coming to him to take advantage of that, yeah. uh, effectively. That's why he's being chosen as the next... Uh, the next god killer because that sword was carried by a previous god killer who tried to kill Rapunzel, effectively yeah. so
0: and and um, effectively in taking the sword he accepts and succumbs to his own death because of the curse upon it so mm-hmm. he it you know this does become a mission yeah. it is built on not just the death of his daughter but in, more importantly as to how the gods responded to him when face facing them. Yeah. So for sure, like it, it is a, a grief thing. I wouldn't as such from my side, I wouldn't have put it as the Heath Ledger Joker in the sense of the, that performance. But at one point, and you've mentioned it, Chris, the, the effectively drawing on the spookiness of clowns where. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yes, in talking with the children, uh, that was just fantastic. I love that because it is darkly funny. Yeah, it draws from that innate whether you know fear of clowns that people have. It's it's devoid of color uh, mm-hmm. as well. Again, the opposite of the clown. But that's you, you feel that's where he's taking it from. Yeah, um, it's just and the fact that he—it he, was just so so well done.
1: Yeah, it's just the fact that he rises out of the darkness when all these kids think yeah. they're alone, and then he does look like he's trying to play a father to them. He does look like he's trying to entertain them. Yeah. Um, they're telling stories about about schools being crashed in by uh, by Thor's hammer because that's who's going to come and save them. They think. And then he takes he takes a creature, snaps off its head and shows it to the kids. They all start screaming. He tries to throw it out the window, misses, the head rolls on the floor in front of the <laughs> children and they all are screaming. So he's trying, it seems, but he's completely lost his connection to yeah. whatever species he is, this humanity, yeah. whatever that version is. And it is.
0: it's also important to remember, in a sense... Yes, they're children, but they are god children. And that's mm. why okay. he's doing this yeah. because they will become the next. Well, yeah. Gods yeah. in their so, own different way.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so just before I'm, I'm reamed out of it over social media <laughs> <laughs> for comparing it directly to Heath Ledger, what I meant for was if you look at the take mm-hmm. on the yeah. Joker across time, like Heath Ledger very much just took a a position of we're going to give it that menacing like slightly deranged but very singular focused mm. approach and that was basically what christian Bale did here he took a villain who he could have just done straight up just straight up scary yeah. like not even straight up scary, just your your standard villain mm-hmm. but he chose to have As you said, that grieving, slightly loss of reality, loss of, loss of connection with everything and made it his own. Like the accent alone, uh, the choice of the accent alone sometimes, like when he is talking to the god and then later on when he is fighting Thor and Valkyrie and the mighty Thor in, um, in a, the shadow realm, Mm -hmm. they, the, the accent, the choice, Like it goes up and down from wacky, weird, scary, Mm -hmm. just crazy. Absolutely. It goes up and down in that sycophantic, kind of schizophrenic way.
1: And this is why you get Christian Bale in, right? And I was laughing earlier on, Chris, because you you said that this is how Christian Bale joins the MCU. The reason why I was laughing was because that question was posed to Christian Bale in an interview, um, the first interview he'd done for Thor, Love, and Thunder, where they asked him, What's it like joining the MCU? And he's like, I haven't joined for anything. What are you talking about? (laughs) He had no idea at all what the MCU was. And he didn't realize that this would be his, him start becoming part of this massive universe. He was there because his kids wanted him to do this movie. He was there because he wanted to do something really different from what he's done in the past. And if he's going to go back to comic book movies, he's going to play a villain, right? This is Batman. This is one of the best Batman that has ever been around. And now, he's coming back to do this great yeah. Marvel character as well. And if you just compare it across the Thor movies, this is 100% the best film the Thor movies have ever had, without a doubt. And he's probably top tier for most of Marvel.
0: Well, that's it. And I, I think, like, it's the pitch. You, you just get the acting chops of Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. And I would add to that Natalie Portman as well. Yeah. Um, the The range that occurs with... Gore, yes, it, it within being the evil character and the dark character from the tenderness with his daughter in the desert at the start to the clown like mm-hmm. um, attempt in the shadow realm to that ending, which we'll come to later, uh, plus everything in between, you know, as he attacks New Asgard, that mm-hmm. was really really good and i think really helped by the accompanying visuals you know you think of thor ragnarok you think of uh this movie as well in terms of like new asgard Mm -hmm. it's the it's color it's bright it is the rainbow you know yeah and just stylistically visually having his character uh being in black and white effectively with those eyes is just a great so, kind of contrast yeah. that
1: accompanies what he's doing uh, as an actor here. Yeah. Couldn't take my eyes off him every time he's on the screen. Fantastic! Great to have Christian <laughs> Bale in there.
2: So I'll kind of close out on Gore with two kind of useful tidbits. The first, um, I'm not sure if people have seen it, but the um, they actually changed the look of the character um, quite a lot from the comic books mm-hmm. um, due to the fact that, and I didn't, I only copped it when they said it and they always like oh yeah in the comic books he actually his facial structure is quite close to lord Voldemort from Harry Potter. Ah, right. He has that kind of nose <laughs> no situation, nose situation oh, yeah. and the lips are kind of kind of almost sealed together very <laughs> snake like cuz he has t- kind of um tentacles as well. Right. Gordles. So they actually decided they redesigned him for the MCU mm. to look like this. They they did apparently this a uh, test prosthetic on Christian Bale with the original look, Right. and they just went no, that's like and that's Voldemort. Like yep. it's just yep. no, we can't do it. <laughs> so it's very interesting to see. Yeah, they actually yeah. did take that because well, I remember one of the first times he came out, everyone was like, that doesn't look like Gore. They, they've explained it why. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. That makes makes, a point. Sense.
1: makes <laughs> sense. And I, th- I think it came out around the same time as the movies, uh, that the gore characters created in the Marvel comic books around the same time as the uh, the Harry Potter movies would have this. been in the cinema. It's only about 10 years ago, uh, 12 years ago. So uh, it would make sense. that They may use that reference point when they're drawing the characters. So, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, And then the second is very interesting. We talk about the Necrosword. Mm. Um, comic book Easter egg. The Necrosword is, belongs to Null the symbiote god. The symbiote, the symbiotic uh, Venom's god, Mm. the the creator of all symbiotes, symbiotes, whatever, symbiotes, whatever way you want to pronounce it in the Uh Sony universe or the Marvel universe. (laughs) Um, But essentially, Carnage, Null, Mm -hmm. Venom, they're all kind of connected. And there is a whole storyline with... The the, the the necrosword and how it connects and war of the gods and war of the realms and mm-hmm. you name it it all is in there um and it's got everyone oh this this sword plus the demons kind of creatures that the necrosword calls out mm-hmm. for gore plus that little droplet spoiler the little droplet of the Venom left in the MCU mm-hmm. after the MCU uh, No Way Home does all that lead we are going to get Venom we're going to get the 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 War of the Symbiotes everything like that who knows what the future holds <laughs> but I just wanted to call it out in case anyone goes my God Chris didn't call it the biggest comic book reference very good very it is good. there I I think if anything is twenty years away yeah because there's so many other things on the table we'll so, probably get a Venom but we're not going to get nulled yet that's like. That is like we got to go back to the beginning of time yeah. and the pre-time universe well, and start talking uh, about that. I could
1: everything. see, I could see them pulling in something like that, but Sony are going to drive that Spider-Man universe into the absolute ground before it goes anywhere near Marvel being able yes. to do another <laughs> movie with Venom. So, uh, it's so gonna strangely, be they
2: time. don't own Null. They don't mm. own Null. Sony doesn't. Yeah, they yeah. own they own Spider-Man and Venom and everything connected, all the symbiotes, mm. but they don't own. Um, Null the God. Yeah. uh, Because that is kind of originally was a creation that came out of uh, actually Thor before it was co-opted and used in um, the, the Venom.
1: Yeah. Stories. Interesting one. Interesting one. The only connection I, I was thinking of uh, with this Necro Sword was something uh, that was in the Eternals. The, the post-credit scene of the Eternals. The uh, the sword that's given to uh, the new Knight, the new Black Knight, um, Dane Whitman. Dane Whitman, yeah, exactly. The
2: ebony blade, because yeah. it,
1: it seemed to have the same concept to it. Uh, Dane Whitman is told, "Here's the sword. He looks at it, and there's going to be a price to pay if he picks it up. He's he's now going to be cursed." Um, when he uses the sword and that's exactly what happens to gore here so that's what i think they they're most likely setting up there that's that's the one thing that just popped in my head oh wow we have a connection here to eternals among many others throughout this movie yeah Yeah,
0: absolutely i i had the same kind of feeling around the sword just because of the look but Mm -hmm. also because of the the eternals post credit as well and i mean it's it's all those kind of massive references that the marvel have mm-hmm. um i mean because i think visually for me uh, and even just in terms of his uh drive gore because it was black and white it reminded me of the empirical that from the doctor strange death of magic oh, right. where they are looking oh, yeah. to destroy okay. magic as well and we're here it's the black and white looking to destroy gods because of what's happened previously. So, you know, it it's, there's loads of different kind of the the, the those different stories yeah. that have popped up that that are, are, are being utilized here, I think. Absolutely, absolutely a cool one. But let us get on to our point two. Yes,
1: it is Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think we just needed to talk about it because the last yeah. time we saw Thor was at the end of Endgame running off with the Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, and they do a nice montage of uh, of their time together uh, at the opening of this movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'd like to agree with you. For me, this felt like the bit that was just didn't feel right for something. I <laughs> I don't know. All the way through this bit, I just felt Chris Pratt seemed to be dialing in mm-hmm. his character. Yeah. Um, there seemed to be no life to it. And, you know, in the past, I would say Guardians of the Galaxy have been the the movies that have made me laugh so much because of that group interaction of the Guardians. And I felt Rocket was missing here. Um, even just the timing of the I am group bit didn't, it just, it, it fulfilled the narrative. And in that sense, fantastic. But I just really didn't get the sense. And maybe it's because with Chris Pratt's character, he's still mourning the, the loss of Gamora. Mm-hmm. But. I don't know. There was something that just it just didn't connect with me. Um, I, I loved some of the battle stuff uh, and and the humor in that, but that was because of what Thor was doing. So I really missed the Guardians being the Guardians here. Yeah. Uh, just for that brief moment. And as I say, maybe it is Gamora hanging heavy over the group and over their you know their leader or is he? Uh, Chris Pratt. You know. So I think um. That was, this was part of the thing I was mo- possibly felt most let down by in respect to my own expectation. Let's just put it that way. You hit
2: the nail on the head of the screaming goat. Um, <laughs> this, this is, my expectations was when we heard, like, so Thor is gone with the Guardians. We got a montage. We got a very weird battle. But that was it. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more Guardians. like, And that's I felt let down because the way it was somewhat built and built previously was that we were going to get maybe the first half, maybe the first third at least, mm-hmm. was going to be a bit more Guardian centric. Okay. Now, I know we're getting that in Guardians 3 next year. Yeah. Uh, and actually, we're getting it actually at the end of this year with mm-hmm. the holiday special first.
1: Yep, yep. And the Iron Groot TV show. I, well, that's going to be just cute. Come on. Mm. <laughs> you can't be angry at Iron Groot. I'm not angry. I'm just not expecting to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> not, I, I'm
2: not angry. I'm just disappointed. I'm always angry, Chris. I'm always <laughs> angry. Uh, Ooh, nice reference. <laughs> um, so I think this is the, the part of it. I was just expecting a bit more Guardians. Yeah. And then... The one part that just felt so, just felt so odd. They he they took it unfortunately to spinal top levels with the fight, where part <laughs> of it I was really happy with. Yeah. I was like, "This is cool, this is fun." He's doing, it. and then he does the Van Dam splits.
0: Uh huh. And I'm that. like,
2: "Oh, <laughs> that was just the eleven. That was just like the one." I was like, "You had me," and then you. <laughs> no, it just brought a bit too much, kind of like, I don't get it. It's I... not
1: even just the Van Damme splits, though. <laughs> it's also, that was used in the in, in a commercial, and it has the exact same music from the commercial that Van Damme did the splits between two trucks. Like, they yeah. have, they have re- not just referenced it, they've taken it and put it into a Thor movie. You so.
0: see, I love this. I mean, if I could hold a yoga pose in that, or the splits <laughs> in a way that Thor could... I would. I mean, yeah. I, I did really enjoy that. I, I thought it was funny. Um, and I really, really did like, you know, the, the glass palace shrine mm-hmm. being destroyed by a uh, stormbreaker, uh, you know, really good. Uh, but you know, I just, it was just more. With with the guardians, I mean, yeah. even with Drax, I just didn't get that sense of humour coming mm-hmm. through, and it 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 really um kind of I felt that yeah. I felt that
1: um I felt most sorry for uh, actors like Drax and Nebula who have a lot yeah. of prosthetics to go through. And the setups are all different places. They're showing, you know, this montage of them being in different places, being in, in, uh, fighting in an underwater, uh, battle. They're showing them on this planet with the, with the glass, uh, the, the glass churches on it. Um, and those two actors have to go through all of that makeup to do all of these scenes. And it looks like lots of setups. Apparently they were there for about four or five months. So that I wonder if, if a couple of hours of that four hour cut was the Guardians piece. I also wonder if the reason why we're getting a lot less of it is because. I think at the time of Endgame, James Gunn was not signed up to do Volume 3. I think at that point, that was when he was overworking with DC and they were still having that issue with Marvel because of the the attempted cancelling of James Gunn um, that happened on the internet. But I know he was on his way back to do Volume 3, but because they didn't have a plan and because he was working with DC, I wonder if they were saying, okay, the next Thor movie, we're going to do Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy because every of those Guardians of the Galaxy, we're going to give them both equal billing. And then by the time it was starting to come up to... That, that build-up, obviously the new James Gunn was coming back, and he's there, he's coming out with his movie in, in a, a year or so's time. But I wonder if that's part of it. If there was an original plan, if we don't get James Gunn back, Taika Waititi can take the characters, mash them up with Thor, and they can make this Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And just that didn't end off panning out, so why not give them back to the person that knows how to work with them much better?
2: Yeah, no, and I think that's potentially it. But yeah. uh, in terms of the prosthetic and stuff, they film simultaneously. They are filming, so Guardians and the Holiday Special and Thor Love and Thunder scenes were all filmed in either back to back or together at certain points, same area. Okay, uh, I mean some of them were Pinewood as well. So mm-hmm. apparently, it's like it was fine. Yeah. Um, but I I think that is true. I think this film went through a few iterations, mm-hmm. as all films do before anyone jumps in. Like yeah. like this, you you what. The end product of any film is not what the first draft of a script. Absolutely. It is never the first draft. And even the editing can change it further as well. Mm-hmm. Um, There probably is. And as you said, there's a four hour cut of this. Nope.
1: Nope, there's not a four hour cut. There will never be a four hour cut of this movie. Apparently uh Tika was asked will he put out a director's cut? He's like, "Nope, all the scenes that were cut out were cut out for a reason. They're all terrible." Oh. <laughs> including okay. including the uh the scenes that were filmed with uh, some major major actor Jeff Goldblum came back. We had uh Peter Dinklage came back for a scene. We had um Lena Heedy from, uh, from Game of Thrones filmed the scene and uh, that ended off on the cutting room floor. Loads and loads and loads of actors apparently flew out, oh, wow. filmed scenes, and they are all gone. And according to Taika you may get some extras on the Blu ray, of course. Um, but according to him, we will never see a director's cuts because director's cuts are terrible. Okay.
2: <laughs> okay. But that, I, well, I it's was kind amazing. of, maybe we will get some of the. the- guardians footage that mm-hmm. was filmed in the guardians films later as a flashback or something. There you go. Remember that time Thor broke X and you flashback? <laughs> um, like I, I there's definitely there's a lot more in my head of what was there and mm-hmm. then it was kind of we got a montage instead. Yeah. And I think that's potentially and that's fine. I I just I again I I had expectations, in, again, is always where it comes to with this. Mm. I had expectations in my head for more Guardians of the Galaxies and Thor being together and mm. going on an adventure and then getting pulled into this. Yeah, Um Because the way I had it based on what I was seeing in trailers and stuff was when they were looking at all the dead gods that was the Guardians going on a journey to figure it out and going next stop, next stop, right. next stop. Yeah. That's how I... Thought the build up was happening, and when we got, we did. It ended with the funny to be there with the people you love and do it with the people. And he's looking, and he's not looking at Thor, and Mm -hmm. Thor's putting his head in. Yeah, it's a funny way to end it. But anyway,
1: but also in fairness, it did actually end with them going off to. Investigate the other gods that were dying, and Thor going off to find Sif because she's on a planet where there is a god that's dead, and he's thought Sif's been dead for five years. So they could pick up the reins of this in the next movie. There could be uh, impacts that will go on to to Volume Three of uh, of Guardians of the Galaxy. I'll be really honest. I know you say Guardians of the Galaxy are some of your favorite characters, John, but this was just about enough for me. I, I was really happy to see just these characters in there for a few scenes thought it was good fun there's loads of comedy you can have with or in all his cast characters absolutely Putting all of them in there for an entire movie i don't know whether i could have taken it <laughs> yeah,
0: my expectation wasn't necessarily that they were going yeah. to be in the whole movie for all of the movie yeah. um it was it was more about the moments of them in this movie yeah. and it was more about how the either the characters were written and their interaction mm-hmm. in this and and that may have been for me more of the issue but i think we can move on to our point number three which is dr jane foster is the mighty thor <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: i
2: still love it every time i just will continue to giggle
1: i'm not sure about putting that right in the middle of uh, of your point though
2: no, but it worked so it well. It worked. <laughs> just... <laughs> it's just a screaming, Lady Thor! Ah! Our, our, yeah,
0: Our screaming goat has helped me finish off uh, the word Thor.
1: So it's a scream of approval, then, yes, what you're saying Yes, it is, absolutely. I,
0: I've, I mentioned this already. I absolutely really enjoyed um, Jane Foster coming back here. Mm-hmm. I liked how it felt it grounded Thor mm-hmm. um, in this movie much better uh, for me and sort of connected him back to some of his earlier movies which i liked and yeah. um, and you know i really like uh taiko batiti in terms of the the movies he's done mm-hmm. uh, and that i think that was part of the reason why i just felt grim about thor ragnarok because i've really enjoyed his stuff mm-hmm. and i always have felt they've had heart and soul they've Absolutely. been funny i'm not saying they're perfect but they've they've had this emotional center to them and um, it could be an emotionally funny center or serious yeah. but they, they've always had it and i thought in, in bringing jane foster that's what he brought here and i think uh, natalie portman again you know just giving the range of her chops from comedic to effectively dying and mm-hmm. with stage four cancer. I mean, so this, this was really. Uh, really good for me. And I absolutely loved her becoming the mighty Thor. Yep. I really enjoyed the, the honoring of her sacrifice mm-hmm. uh, at new Asgard. Yes. absolutely. How that wrapped up the final end credit scene with her. You know, I just really thought this added so much and just that additional dimension with, with Mjolnir uh, and how that reforges um, so I really enjoyed that and, yeah. and again the tension of finding out that while she thinks that Molnir is saving her, every time she's using it, she's becoming weaker and Absolutely, weaker uh, yeah. when she's not the mighty Thor, yeah. uh, that she's still um, succumbing uh, to the the cancer so yep. i thought this was really emotionally powerful i think it really connected back with um you know the the comic book story of thor and jane foster as well in terms of what happens and um, and and their love for one another and i thought it really added an emotional depth and i thought she was fantastic uh in, in this loved her fighting yep. uh to defend New Asgard, really good. And she had a nifty helmet
1: as well. Absolutely. Certainly, yeah. uh,
0: it certainly seemed more high-tech than Thor's.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's because she's mightier. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I adored Natalie Portman in here and it's so great that Marvel got her back they ended off on really bad terms after Thor the Dark World when they fired the director that she brought on board which was Patty Jenkins who went off to make uh, the awesome Wonder Woman so so they ended on really bad terms I'm glad they're able to, to resolve it because it's always been a problem for me the idea from Thor 1 was that he fell in love with a woman from Earth and they were to spend the rest of their lives together. And then they paid this lip service to their relationship afterwards. Which was, oh well, we broke up. And he's just been kind of dealing with it yeah. as a joke in the background. So being able to at least resolve that storyline with the two of them. I know I'm a bit of a completionist. So being able <laughs> to resolve that storyline with the two of them was great. But telling it in such an emotional way. Wow, they really didn't back off from um, from the depiction of cancer. And how much it can ravage a body uh, throughout this movie. It gets progressively worse and worse and worse every time you see her out of the mighty thor costume she's getting she's looking more and more close to death uh, and that's a really tough thing to put into a comedy movie like this you know um i was i was intrigued at hearing a couple of reviews of this there's a, a moment when darcy uh is talking to jane foster in uh when she's in the hospital getting her chemotherapy and i mean i was just really intrigued that so many people thought this thought of this moment as a joke from Jane Foster when Darcy says to her you've got stage four cancer this is not this is not the world telling you to slow down you have stage four cancer and Jane Foster says to her that's what we know of and everybody seems to think that that was a joke you see her working in her laboratory trying to cure cancer she's putting every single bit of her body towards trying to cure this thing that's incurable. And that's really important for this movie because the upshot of it is a man can go and make a wish to a, to an eternal being for anything he wants to, and the re- resolution at the end of this movie is not Jane Foster's cured of cancer, because that would make that would make a mockery of cancer and how awful it is. The resolution in this movie is the man allows Jane Foster to die and brings his daughter back and he dies himself. Death is Really present in this movie, and I'm so glad they went down that route with the storyline. And it is treated with the seriousness that that it is. It needs to be treated. Yes, uh, really, really good job on this on this storyline, and and no better actor to take it on board. Natalie Portman is right on top of her game in this. She, she's having so much fun as the Mighty Thor as well. You can see why it's so attractive to her to get away from her. Terminal sentence, effectively, um, that she's been given. That's that's where we start with her.
0: It's that addiction that she Mm. has of becoming uh, and and continuing and doing the mighty Thor. Yeah. Because
1: it takes her from what she's suffering in... In human form, Absolutely. effectively. Absolutely. And we and we have that sacrifice moment as well. You know, it's really it's a really big thing we've talked about in The Boys as well. There's a, a character on that show called Starlight who's consistently telling her partner she doesn't want to be saved by him. Um, she's the one that can do the saving, effectively. So we have Jane Foster, who's been pretty much, last call of the movies, and every involvement that she's had in the MCU, she's just been saved by Thor. Now she has the power and she's willing to sacrifice herself to be the hero, and I think that's a great, a great story arc as well. Very good.
0: Yeah, and and effectively mm-hmm. to save him, yeah. so that he can get to to go in time before the wish. Exactly, exactly.
2: Uh, I love Mighty Thor. I love the storyline um, back in the comic books. Even though, kind of, there was very few people it could have been. So, mm-hmm. actually, in the comic books, we didn't know who the mighty Thor was That's right. for ages, and then they revealed like, her.
1: Yeah, it was like eight or ten issues, like ten yeah. months of not knowing yeah. who this character was, yeah. because Jane Foster isn't as, isn't, isn't the overarching character for 60 years in the comic books or anything like that. She is absolutely involved in Thor's history, but there were a couple of people that it could have been. Yeah,
2: no, it yeah. was it, like it could have been Valkyrie yeah. back then, it, or the other Valkyrie. It could have been multiple people. Could have been um, yeah. yeah, but anyway, I love that storyline and seeing it so well represented and presented in movie format mm-hmm. is what I enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Natalie Portman definitely like like everyone else got her Marvel abs mm-hmm. and like her guns were just incredible like she was swinging the hammer um i wish we got more um Darcy. yeah we saw her previously in one division and mm-hmm. she was fantastic yeah. in one division kind of hope this was we, we see more of her throughout this mm. understand based on when you see the end of it you're, okay well she, it would've been hard to fit her into certain parts but yeah. potentially it would have been like she could have gone to new asgard with <laughs> Uh, Jane Foster and stuff like that but mm-hmm. it's fine it look it is what it is
1: yeah. it's it's good that they that they connect those all the way back as you say Chris you know having that connection to that first movie having Dr Selvik, having uh, Darcy there with um Jane Foster you know it's it's at least having that connection of that core group that yeah. started out yeah. that first movie together to close out this group of four films i suppose uh this may be the last time well it will be the last time we'll see those particular three characters uh together yes. so uh i know it's i know it's a zoom call from dr selvik i'd love to see more of them in there but it's great that they at least were able to do it uh, as, yeah. as they say better yeah. to have some of them than none of them exactly
2: exactly yeah. um overall the mighty thor's storyline i am with you on this they 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 didn't use the MacGuffin, which Mm -hmm. I was so not scared they were going to. Mm. I just had an ex, again, I I had an expectation. When, as soon as they started talking about eternity and wishes, one question I did have was was like, when you stand in front of eternity, you get a wish. I was like, well, no, does not everyone get? No, the first
1: person. First person. It was
2: very. It was a quick one line, Mm -hmm. and I basically took me a while to think back because I was like, "But why didn't Thor just make a wish? Mm. Why didn't she make like?" I was kind of going that route.
1: Yeah, eternity is not out, Chris.
2: You get one. In, you get one. In, you, everybody, everybody gets a, gets wish. a wish.
1: Yeah. Uh, Cause most people would just stand behind the guy in front of them and go, um, I want his wish to not happen. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Surprise. Okay, that's a Sorry. Uh, and then he runs behind that other person. He yeah. runs behind that. other. Like exactly. it just it, goes, it, on for it goes on for eternity. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Um, for me, the depiction of cancer, the depiction of the choice of death and the, the overall, like just her, her storyline with the love store, her storyline being essentially wrapped up the, her, like when we see her storyline of why her and Thor broke up. Yeah. Now fully depicted for the first time. Yeah. Made, I was like, Oh, this has like filled a gap really mm-hmm. well in the knowledge of the MCU. Like, we just did not understand going in through the last season into the door Ragnarok why they were no longer together. Yeah. Like, it was just essentially Jane was there and then she's not. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, okay. Yep. Um, they broke up. That was like, there was no depiction or st- explanation of why it was like that. Yeah. Here we see the in a very fun in a comedic way the, the deterioration of yeah. the the actual relationship and
1: you know what it's pretty realistic as well yeah it, 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 that's, that happens to lots of relationships so and um, um, again it didn't feel like it was just a throwaway joke from psychopathity it seemed like the realistic breaking apart of a couple yeah, who've, who've exactly. been who've almost forced themselves together so uh, yeah really really good yeah. job on Jane Foster
2: yeah I'll f- Finish with the two very quick. Her armor was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The Mighty Thor armor was yeah. just. I know you, you commented on the the helmet, but the overall actual like the choice of her Mighty Thor outfit was just yeah like chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. And then the the use of meow meow yeah. splintering that as was a cool. weapon Definitely. was just yeah it was a cool. Like they could have kind of reforged it or they could but keeping it as a shattered entity, keeping it as like this it enhanced kind of option of splintering and splintering and breaking out and coming back and acting as like a homing kind of missile. I was like just fantastic. For to separate it out from Stormbreaker and Thor's fighting style. They gave them very unique, her own mighty Thor style versus Odinson. As a fighting style, and he's a bit more brutal, but yeah. I, I think it was fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really like that. And I, I have to say, I really like the idea that the reason why she's able to become Mighty Thor is because he's put a spell on Mjolnir, effectively saying, protect Jane Foster because I love her, which is pretty much. A similar spell that his father put on Mjolnir when giving it to him back in the first movie. So all tying back, really good.
0: Exactly. And there was the little tension between Stormbreaker and (laughs) Mjolnir as well. So kind of riffing, I guess, a bit off the Doctor Strange's cloak and the the axes uh, in the Sanctum. So yeah, it it was kind of a a nice uh, little additional inert kind of moment that one uh, was that one
1: was a little too silly for me and uh every time i saw stormbreaker appear on screen uh with with what looked like a quizzical look for for a battle axe i was kind of going okay I'm, yeah i'm done with this go back to the screaming game.
0: it maybe ran a little too uh yeah. long in terms of the joke yeah for sure yeah. but
2: but do you know what didn't the screaming goats. Well, as exactly. we move
0: on to the next point. <laughs> <laughs> on to point four. omnipotent city of the gods and Zeus.
2: Every
0: time. Yes. Every time. Uh, Same as well. uh, we get to see Russell Crowe in a toga putting Again. on a Greek accent. Yes. Um and
1: <laughs> Well, no, it wasn't Greek last time.
0: <laughs> right. Roman, Roman. Exactly. Toga. <laughs> yeah. Um He, he has toga. become another ancient uh, in the ancient worlds of the Mediterranean. I guess uh, the god of lightning.
1: Yes,
2: yes. Can I give a quick, really interesting fact? Mm-hmm. He f- he filmed this all these scenes twice. Yes, it was made to film it with two the 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 accent that he did here yeah. and another one. Mm-hmm. But he filmed all of the scenes with both accents, and I'm like, I want to hear that other accent. <laughs> I'm, I'm so interested to go. Yeah. What was the other take on this Greek god? Because I was like, this one straight up just interesting uh-huh. choice. And I'm like, was the other one just like him with a slightly Aussie accent uh-huh. and kind of like really stereotypically bad. Mm. Was that the other style or how did we land with this choice?
0: Yeah. I, so I'm not going to profess. I am an expert on uh, the Greek accent for English people or English speaking people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, But I felt it was kind of judged right uh, in in a sense because the accent just aided all the comedy in this section for me. And I think it didn't detract from it. Mm. It it was kind of, it was comedic in how it was done and it was riffing and taking uh, a look at those stupid accents. But at the same time, it felt like there was a, Bit of a a grounding or subtleness to it uh, more than just simply, you know, taking the the old uh, proverbial. So I I, I like, um, so I kind of liked how it was done, really.
1: Yeah, you're right, because it gives him that ability to, you know, stand up in front of a crowd and and give really big comedy moments and also use exactly the same accent for some really serious scenes that we get. Um, He does have some great moments, though. Uh, Russell Crowe is also having a great time here on the set. I I could tell he's really enjoying being able to do things like uh, the moment we were all waiting for, really, uh, having having Thor uh, strip naked because he flicked too hard. Um Hilarious, really, <laughs> really good. Uh, I love the reaction from uh, from all the women that are around him and the men uh, around yeah. uh, around yep. uh, uh, around Zeus. Uh, really funny, where all of them kind of pass out, um, and everybody in the crowd behind are kind of trying to get a good look. <laughs>
0: exactly, and also the pretty boys that suddenly mm. went from being in armor to togas, yeah. uh, and I love that they were called. Zeus's pretty boys Mm -hmm. in the end credits credits. as well and that sort of jumped out I mean dare I say if if I hadn't have been in the cinema who knows where things would have gone but Mm -hmm. I mean the prime rib of beef that was Chris Hemsworth (laughs) in all his glory and the pretty boys only Mm -hmm. a gift from the gods. Absolutely. Uh, very you know,
1: true. So, did, you uh, notice, did you notice also, even in this scene, which is, you know, the big comedy scene that's going on, even here, they have uh, a little undercut of some very serious stuff in the background where we have the tattoo on Thor's back now of his lost brother. You yeah. Know? Yep. Um. Again, Taika Waititi getting that balance of the of the darkness of the story with some comedy moments
2: yeah, yeah. i know and not many was, people like, were
1: looking at thor's back at that moment but
2: true a lot <laughs> of people weren't but like even looking at the background of the gods so you had corg making the joke about his god maybe being there and corg's god was there beyond that we had potentially we had the great serpent from Sean chi yeah, yes like, I think so. in in there looked the sim it looked Almost this bit, but just slightly different colors, yeah um apparently this is the one i the scene I would rewatch because there are so many gods in there, yeah, yes, Absolutely. There's lo-
1: lots of jokes made, um an interesting one with the uh the celestials from the eternals are outside the windows peering in because they can't fit inside the hall, which is a good laugh, a good a good gag, but again, ties it into one of the movies yeah. of phase four, you know uh you can see them looking in the window, I wonder if uh if they have um Captured any of the other Eternals since the last time yeah. we saw them.
2: And there was the Bao God because Bao are godly. Mm,
1: dumplings. Yeah. dumplings. Dumplings get their own God. Uh, they certainly world, do. Of course.
0: And I like that. I, I mm-hmm. really enjoyed that. I think, you know, this could have been almost my favorite piece, with the exception that Korg's face survived being struck down by <laughs> oh. Zeus's lightning. Because yeah. just not to bring it down. But I have to say, Korg is my least favorite character across the whole of the MCU. And mm-hmm. the only reason I can say what the 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 Eureka moment as to why I couldn't quite put my finger on it previously um, is because it feels like he absolutely interrupts everything yep. that's yep. happening. Uh, he... he is inserted too often with pointless stuff. It's not to say that some of the stuff I haven't enjoyed him being in that, but um, it's it's almost like the character insists upon itself. Right. Dare I say? It. I
1: thought you might say yeah. that. Yes,
0: and and ultimately it comes down. I for me, I just think he interrupts the flow, the dynamics mm-hmm. of the movie, and I know that is you know a comedic sort of method Coil. that can be used yeah. but it doesn't add anything for me and not even on the comedic level yeah. um, he- so I was heartily disappointed when his face survived although I did like him having a gay pregnancy at the end with mm-hmm. a uh, motorbike moustached fellow Korg <laughs> I guess yes.
2: so that was the, the the one of the massive saving graces which they actually did a nice aspect of like, just all of Korg's planet are gay. Mm-hmm. They are all just men, and that's how they have babies. And that's yeah. it. There was no special... It was exactly. That's it. Done and dusted. I agree with a lot of what you're saying regarding Cork. The way that they set it up for me is they tried to essentially make him almost the Groot um, in that yeah. from Guardians, where he had that line, that funny moment in each of the sections that kind of like, you're like... Ha, ha ha, oh he's so funny, and we want to make toys out of him because he is so cool. It just didn't work on aspects of it. Some of it did because yeah. of the like the conversation with Valkyrie on the on the way to the Shadow Realm. Just between him and Valkyrie yeah. acting as that back and forth. And that's when Korg does work because that's that's the, the actor being the actor from JoJo Rabbit, being that's serious that's why he is a really good actor because like when in jojo rabbit the film he plays hitler mm-hmm. he's playing hitler as both a comedic character yeah. and then and the flip becomes this quite horrible what you would expect Hitler to be yeah. and then in this he's trying he's a comedic actor and then he kind of they get into this quite touching moment talking about valkyrie's loss of love and mm-hmm. her yeah. the the loss of her kind of f- the rest of the valkyries
1: but that's all tessa thompson like and taiko is a great director he's he's created a moment where she's able to have that conversation and it works really really well and korg works really really well there but um when you have characters like i uh, well, like groot and rocket in in Guardians of the Galaxy. You can have the two of them play off each other and they can, and you can get the timing completely right with the with those characters because he's the only CGI character in a lot of scenes that involve three or four different actors. I think they struggled to work out where to put in his character there, where to actually use the take that was done on set, where to actually use the uh, the f- the actual funny line and it felt like they needed to put it in one after every single moment because why would you do a CGI character if he's not going to get a funny line, seemed to be the impetus for him. And yeah. it was way right. too much. It was way too much. I know kids are going to I love the character. I know they really enjoy him. Favorite character in the MCU for them. Um, That absolutely isn't mine. And he was just way... It just used way too much in, in yeah. a reasonably tight movie.
2: Yes. But it does give us, like, the aspect of that... In him dying, quote-unquote, if you want to call it that, losing him, like... it's It's the the next trigger that brings us a step forward towards kind of the goal of the the film, like kind of him being shattered in a good way propels the film forward again. Yeah, Um, And that's when you have a character like that, that's fine. That's good. You can do that with them. Um,
1: Yeah. He does propel the story forward, but the only important thing that was supposed to happen here, they were trying to get an army of gods from omnipotent city, but the gods were too scared of the god killer, basically. So they decide yep. to sit on their thrones, exactly like we like. the reason they're being killed by Gore, uh, They decide to just sit on their thrones and hide. Um, but Thor gets the opportunity to like, effectively steal Zeus's lightning bolt and um, take him out, let's say. Um, yes. Yes. Immobilize. Yeah, real we surprise. Think death.
2: Yeah. Yeah, this was fun. Like, it, it, the battle was cool. Getting the lightning bolt for the way it was was cool. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the exit was cool. Yes. Again, yeah. screaming goats. I
0: love them. <laughs> exactly. It's just
2: that simple. Um, but it does move us to, towards the, 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 the final battle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Shut-around.
0: I think with that, let us get on to our fifth and final point, An Eternity of Sacrifices.
2: And this just, when you say sacrifices and then you have a screaming goat, it just yeah. even takes it into exactly. a darker, okay. it's almost a darker point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry to uh, our fellow defenders. I'm not too sure how I'm going to feel about that while I'm editing the podcast, having to listen to it over and over again. But oh, You're <laughs> still t- going to smile every time. You're going to laugh at. giggle every try. time. I will try. I will try. Yes. We always talk about the final battle uh, in our final point uh, when we're talking about MCU movies. Um, We had a final battle, but it wasn't the end of the movie. That wasn't uh, the resolution to the story. Um, But it was really good here, having the kind of opening of it where we have um, all of our main characters coming into the Shadow Realm to rescue the children of Asgard.
2: Yeah, so what we see like, is this first battle on the the Shadow Realm planet where the the goats... My favorite joke where the goats are going into land and just hit a planet and flop down.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Monty Python-esque. And scream, of course. yeah, so yes.
0: Exactly. Really <laughs> good.
2: Um, and then you get this, they fight Gore where he is the strongest and lose. Valkyrie mm-hmm. gets hurt pretty badly. Yeah. And the, the, they all are essentially sent packing with Stormbreaker by itself left to Gore because that's what he wants. And that scene, I talked about it right at the beginning in our first point, mm-hmm. that scene where Gore is essentially taking them out one by one and then stringing them up and fighting and pitting them against it going, call Stormbreaker, call Stormbreaker. That was good. Like, it showed the evil, sadistic, psychopathic element of Gore in an interesting way for that scene and allowed them to play off. And you get that tearful Look, and again, Chris Hemsworth is a good actor, yeah. He's not just a beefcake, he's a good actor, and the same with Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. And this is where you get to see them with no voice wrapped in CGI tentacles with a potential to cry like mm-hmm. they are doing single tears, like this is stressful. And then you get them sent back, and get what we get even beyond that is then Jane Foster after kind of calling them and them back in New Asgard, Jane Foster can't do it anymore. If she does it one more time, she will die. And you get that very emotional scene. Mm -hmm. Yes, Valkyrie is kind of stabbed and hurt, so she won't go back. But you get this scene between Thor and Jane, kind of that, like, is the pinnacle. It's that, please don't... Please don't come on this battle with me. Let me do it myself. Mm Because if you come one more time... You will die if you do this one more time. It is the end of your life. Mm-hmm. And it's that promise made, but not promise kept. Yes. Kind of piece of the story, which as he goes off to save the children one more time, because we know that they are the in the, the halls of eternity, it's going to be we all know Jane's going to arrive. Like that we know that's happening. It's like it's inevitable. It's, it's as inevitable as Eternity.
1: A kind, um, kind of. I, I guess because of that setup of there being a wish for the first person to get to Eternity, as I say, a lesser movie could have had Thor rushing ahead, uh, Jane Foster lying behind, and him wishing for her to be well. Um, so I, I didn't think it was inevitable. I'm glad they did it the way they did, definitely.
2: Yeah. So in a very quick tidbit here. In the comic books, after Jane Foster dies, she does die and succumbs to cancer and goes to Valhalla, she is reborn as a new superhero in this this way called Valkyrie in the comic books. Um I expected that. I did expect her to die, Thor to get, push Gore out of the way, jump through the hole to Eternity, right. meet Eternity and get... That discussion point, mm-hmm. and call her back, not as a mighty Thor, but as this new kind of Valkyrie. The the, the we would have been. They would have to pick a different name, but basically bring her back in her new Valkyrie outfit, and think, that's what the, the that was the big ending I expected. Okay. So when we do get her staying, and then Thor empowering. The the kid in the Hall of Eternity as he tries to save them. Mm-hmm. I was ex- like, I was, I was really into it because it wasn't as you said. It's the end fight, but it's not really the end. Yeah. Like, we still get another scene, so I was expecting. And again, it's this we talk about expectations so much. <laughs>
1: you haven't learned like, yet, Chris. We've been podcasting for seven years, and you haven't learned. And yet. I still your have expect- expectations. Expectations are ruining in. your enjoyment of things. <laughs> Stop oh, no, expecting Oh It never things, ruins Chris. in my enjoyment.
2: <laughs> it's just my brain works at like. Like five hundred miles an hour, so right. I'm always one step ahead of a writer. And they zig, and I should
0: have thought these <laughs> right, right. I did. I loved the 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 Asgardian kid mm-hmm. with the the teddy uh, right. sh- yes. going round uh-huh. using kind of laser eyes. Yeah, uh, really cool. No, this, really this like was fun. Yeah, this yeah, was no, fun, and it really kind of made sense because they are godchildren, effectively.
1: Yeah, I, I was wondering about that. Did they make it kind of a it felt like they made a really defined line between the gods that are an omnipotent city and this little beastly Thor of Asgard it felt like they did define that he, he's a he's not a real god he's not somebody that could sit on the council here his father would have been able to sit there but not Thor yeah um and the children of Asgard are asgardians they're not gods they're not all going to become gods they are from Asgard though um so the empowering of them. It was absolutely great. It must have been great fun for all the kids. Now that I know that ah. I think all the members <laughs> of the cast, uh, some of their kids are 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 yes. there. Um, I certainly know the kid at the end is uh, Love is uh, Chris Hemsworth's daughter, so uh, all makes sense that he involved her in there. So, uh, so it's definitely a family affair in this movie, and it's. Uh, I think that's why the scene is there, and I think it makes loads of sense. It's, it's uh, a great fun scene. Yeah. Yes.
2: So very quickly, just the comic book background. It's the god kings that mm. sit within Oppenipotent City, or what should have been the, the comic book version of it. Right. Essentially, like, you have the sky gods, and like, that's Odin and Ra and Zeus and all of those. Mm-hmm. And it's all of those top level, the king gods that sit within there. And then you have the gods, quote unquote, which are the, the Thors and everyone else underneath, the Hercules and like all those types of people, mm-hmm. then yeah. you have the demigods which are the children of, and yes. they may become a god at a later point, depending yeah. on X, Y, Z. So these kids would be demigods if you want
0: to. Think I, I think the thing is though, as well, it 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 also speaks to the point that having grown up in a Christian culture, we are used to one god. Mm. and or maybe three. Ancient Greece, ancient Rome, Egyptian, many other cultures have multiple gods. yeah, yeah. yes, and you're right; they have the king, uh, but or or you know the 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 leader of those gods, whether it's Odin or Zeus, yeah. and and so on. But it, it's the
2: yeah, it's monotheatic or polytheatic.
0: Exactly. That's yeah. that's exactly the word I was mm-hmm. trying to uh, sort of get through my brain fog. Yeah, exactly. Yes. 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 Uh,
2: but this bringing it back, the the fun part of this is the the ending where you, he gets Hamdelson gets the kids home, mm-hmm. but Gore still gets through. Gore gets Stormbreaker. It's through, and he goes to the the Hall of Eternity or to the the Edge of Eternity or. Where eternity is,
1: we were calling it the the altar of eternity.
2: Yes, that's a really good name because my God, we get to see eternity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: like for the f- three of us, we never. I, I okay. I never thought we would see
0: absolutely the, the,
2: like eternity in his comic book, like made up of uni- universes and galaxies yeah. form mm-hmm. or like non form, uh, just mwah.
0: It was it, it, for me. It was really something special, you know. It's just a very small thing, and he he's not had huge amounts of storyline in, mm. I guess, across Marvel, really, nope. but certainly not in in Doctor Strange because he is a cosmic entity. Yeah. But I I just have always been drawn to. Eternity simply because of the artwork of Jack Kirby yeah. in, oh, in depicting and to have that here is, yeah. is amazing. Um for, for me. You know, if I were to have a tattoo that I would have probably something uh, like Eternity if I could. Very interesting. Um, like yeah. that. I love uh, I just love how Eternity is depicted um mm. in in the Marvel comics and to get um eternity here yeah, I, I would never thought it would come into an MCU. I think mm. it's really interesting. You know, we have had the Celestials from Eternals. I think this is, you know, in terms of that food chain, I guess. Mm. Uh, in in Marvel comics, this is another step up, uh, mm. having, um, the, the cosmic entities being depicted here of which one of them is eternity. Mm. So really interesting stuff. And I, I do, I think that's where there's this connection, uh, for, for this movie is very much, um, uh, amongst all the other ones that we've talked about, but also that it connects to that side that the Eternals brought in, for sure. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I just loved, you know, the the calmness. And I loved how um, it played out then within his realm in terms Mm. of with gore and with Jane earlier with her sacrifice. Because, you know, if you're confronted with any wish that you want and go uh, that is looking to effectively kill all gods with the single wish and ultimately it plays out in a way that means that his wish isn't granted because he decides not to ask it rather than him being killed earlier yeah. in the battle, or in Eternity's realm Sights by uh, by Thor, mm. that it's he has made the decision for the return of his daughter. So I really, really enjoyed how this played out in the Eternity realm. I, and again, you know, it, it it's that generational thing. Gore is allowing his family that has been decimated, as we talked about in the first part of the movie to survive by having his daughter um, returned to uh, the the mortal world, yeah. I guess, yep. uh, by by
1: eternity. So that, for me, was really, yeah. really cool. He's making a choice through love rather than hate, which exactly. is another central theme of the movie. Really good. Yeah.
2: The, the, the depiction of um, love, of the child, love, um, which we heard she is later named, but when she first comes into being... Mm-hmm oh just so cool mm. cuz it looked like almost like one of the later captain universe kind of um, styles that um that when captain universe is another character within the comic book kind of fits which it's this omni power that comes in and takes over someone and possesses someone to save them at the most pivotal moment really cool um but it looked like that and i was like ooh that's cool yeah um I love this because it, you ta- you said it Derek and I'm probably stealing your point and I apologise. The the central connector across all aspects of this film and the story of this film narrative is love. Mm-hmm. Love can make you do great things, love can make you do terrible things, but it's the central theme no matter what. Like yeah, like meow meow save Jane Foster. Because of love, because mm-hmm. of the, the love Thor had back in the day and asks for Mjolnir to do, to save her and protect her at all times. Like you can kind of build threads and each of the characters are what they're doing for their love and why they love it and how that love connects them and propels them forward or mm-hmm. backwards or whatever they do. It all comes back to the love. And it's so, so strong and it comes out, but it's just, you could have, you could have crashed this plane as a story. Oh, absolutely! Like at right at the end, like this could have been a flaming mess at the yeah. end. And that final scene, as Love and Thunder come out on the beach and jump,
1: mm-hmm. and it's
2: that very yeah. iconic, same Thor jump that he did on in Thor Ragnarok on mm-hmm. the, the the bridge, but she's doing it with her, and then just it's just. It, that was the like you talked about having a tear previously. That for me as well just made me go, oh, right in the yeah. feels. Yeah. Like yeah. just so good. That's great because yeah. it is. He is a dad now. He's fulfilling the wish.
0: That's it.
1: And
2: he's just doing like it does the story proud.
1: Yeah, but, and yeah. that's the bigger that's the bigger thing. This is the end of the four series. I know this is the first Marvel character that's gotten four movies. Part of that was because. One of the movies wasn't very good, so they've been trying to kind of wipe that out. So he's got three great movies, let's say. Um, but the storyline of Thor from the beginning is him trying to find his place because he's supposed to be taking over the throne from Odin, but he doesn't know who he is other than being a warrior. We're now at this point with the character and everybody involved in the movie where they are in their lives. They're all they're all family people. They're all uh, men that that have have kids now. This is the moment that has solved the big thing that he's been missing in his life if it can't be jane foster he now has the love of his daughter he now has somebody to share his life with that he can um live for more than living for himself because that has been the character the party character that we've seen throughout even the what if series this character of thor who's always been a laugh and a joke but behind it all has been missing something he's now found what he's been missing so it ties up I think, the entire arc of Thor. I know they say Thor will be back, but no, I don't think we're going to get another Thor movie. We'll see Thor again in in some way, but I'm not too sure they're going to see another movie of, of him.
0: Yeah, and, and also it, co- it connects with him losing Loki in, mm-hmm. in Endgame. Yeah. It is him losing his father Odin Mm -hmm. his mother so all these different losses his sister yeah exactly really really good and I think as well just to build on what Chris said you know I absolutely love the ending of this uh with uh Thor and love sort of running onto the beach but it, it it was kicked off for me as well where you have Gore effectively making that wish and he reaches his arm out to to Thor and and, and Jane Foster mm-hmm. as he's doing it effectively as he's dying as well in terms of that passing of his child to to them and right. I just thought it was re- I thought it was a really great choice of whoever whether it was in the script the director Christian Bale or all three you know in terms of all the collaboration of mm-hmm. that that was the choice to make and that you see him in his dying throes it's it's that kind of arm of here's my daughter love uh, but also that reconciliation to some extent I guess with what's happened uh, and in in seeing Thor's uh, love and tenderness on on Jane Foster as she's dying and I think you know this is kind of what i was saying right at the start i think with gore with jane foster i think i really enjoyed chris hemsworth in this in this movie as well Um like he has absolutely really good comedy chops as well and i i like the balance of, of it here um, and i guess maybe with ragnarok he was too much trying to find himself um or not enough of that balance for me so uh i just really enjoyed how they um you know all three of these actors really just made this final scene really yeah. of scenes really really special for yeah. me yeah,
2: yeah. I'll, I'll i'll kind of finish up my point which is i actually do think we'll see another thor we will and i think it will be the one where thor dies I think that's the they'll they'll they they'll do one more Thor will return it will be Buddy Cop with his kid love Mm -hmm. and then that's the handover to the next Thor, she becomes Thor, and maybe an aged up version. I don't know what, but I think like Chris Hemworth, is he said he's happy to come back. He's happy to do it. He joked in a press junket that when he saw the screening of the film and saw the Thor return, he was like, "Oh, cool! I am cool. Happy to." Um pretty yeah. sure like they'll do more
1: he's certainly or- going to say that on the press tour without a doubt I, yes. I'm just not too sure he's the last of the original Avengers everybody yeah. else is done they are they are finished they've moved on to their new projects um, I think Thor will return was possibly love becomes Thor and and he will open up that movie and then the movie will be hers or something. But yes. they're, they're not going to close the door. This is Marvel. They don't close the door on anybody. But uh, but right now, no plans for Thor 5. Uh, any notes uh, that we haven't talked about on the movie?
2: One very quick one. We see the head of the Living Tribunal, uh, the head of the Watcher, and some other cosmic entities yes. in the Hall of Eternity. Mm-hmm. Well, the Watcher is now up there as a kind of along with the 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 head of the living tribunal um so definitely interesting to see yeah, that yeah. there was a um,
0: celestial head as well in exactly in there was yeah.
2: the the uh, the um the the, the 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 judge yeah the the actual red one that we see um who pulls the eternals at the end of eternals the red mm. celestial the, yeah. the, the 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 judge yes the so big seen, the, yes. the 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 master god the last time we saw the living tribunal by the way was Doctor Strange, where, where he's flying through a dimension and you see all the different Living yeah. Tribunal heads. Yes. Nice. These are just like nice for us, like for everyone else, they're just kind of, ooh, that looks pretty. For us, like this is setting up the potential for some amazing where they pull in storylines, whether they don't, but at least these characters who like the Living Tribunal offers that opportunity for the multiverse. Like, and we already know there is the multiverse there, but the living tribunal is a judge yeah. and arbiter of multiverses and universes as a whole. Mm, yeah. So that character alone can, like, p- opens up additional p- potentials. Yeah.
1: Well, with that character mixed with the watcher is, is one of the streams that they could be going to. But it does feel like. Marvel are making sure that all of their characters are made available for live action uh, at at the moment. It's it's interesting how much they've doubled down over the last couple of years, bringing in Eternals in this Phase 4, bringing in uh, the Celestials there, bringing in in, in Moon Knight even, bringing in all of the Egyptian gods. You know, that's a whole pantheon of characters that they have available to to them to use wherever they want to. And here, bringing in too many gods to even look at in Omnipotent City. (laughs) You know, there's so many options that they have. And that's just the gods. Uh, they've also brought in other characters as well. So, um, so yeah, there's lots, lots and lots of abilities that they have here. And I think that's what Marvel Comics have always had the ability to do. You you bring in a writer and they can walk in and they have an entire toy box to play with now. And they've right. already laid a lot of those out in the MCU. So uh, so it's interesting that that seems to be the path they're going down. Yeah. Uh, everything's there to play with from the future.
2: Yeah. Uh, speaking of new toys to play with, should we talk about the post credit scenes?
0: Yeah. Um there's the there's the kind of mid credit there. Uh Chris would you like to sort of oh my introduce it? Oh, God, that? I so do.
2: This this one absolutely shocked me because I had no idea that this character had been cast yeah. and kind of it was just a complete shock. Mm-hmm. So yes, we get the introduction of Hercules and not the Hercules Disney character, but no no no, the the Marvel Hercules character. With none other than Brett Goldstein, who people may know from, um, basically Ted Lasso, but a a number of other, he's also an amazing writer. And on top of that, as well is a podcaster, much like ourselves. Um, but absolutely great British lad. And having him as Hercules, I, I was, I was, my jaw dropped on that. I was like, well, he's going to get the Marvel (laughs) abs. And he's also. Actually, a really good interpretation of who that character is because he's a big, hairy brute, and uh, gruff, and just kind of with this weird comedic edge. And that character that Brett Goldstein plays in Ted Lasso is actually somewhat there. So I was like, "Oh, that's an interesting casting choice." Mm-hmm. It makes it ties it up really well, and that's why I think there will be a Thor five because Hercules will kill Thor.
1: yeah there's no reason that you would bring in uh you're right there's no reason that you bring in an actor like brett goldstein who's won multiple emmys for that show i've never seen uh ted lasso um so yeah there's no reason you bring him in if there wasn't a plan for him in the future Uh, I, i can see that um yeah unfortunately it's on apple tv I, a, a, a channel that I just have no idea about, or a service I, know, I have no idea about. So everybody tells me to watch that last. So he's apparently fantastic in and uh, the big standout in the show. So he's now in the MCU uh, as Hercules. And um, one of the things I, you, I know you mentioned earlier on, Chris, about about the the, uh, the the outfit for the Mighty Thor for Jane Foster. The costumes in this movie are so they're so. 80s driven they really look like they're jumping off the comic book the covers and none more so than hercules this looks yeah. exactly like the yeah. hercules i remember from the comic books in the yeah, appearances that exactly. i've seen him. this they, they have literally translated it's almost like they 3d printed um some some uh, comic book covers to give him this costume he looks exactly the same uh, as it does in the comic books but very very fleeting moment uh that we see him so uh so interesting to see when and if uh, hercules will turn up again maybe um hercules will join up band everybody together as the new avengers to tackle thor yeah. <laughs> in the future you never know what's yeah. gonna happen no, It's gonna
2: be good and really quickly we'll just one more time reference the final post credit literally the post credit which is jane fossa enters valhalla at the behest and the, the greeting of um heimdall which is Just perfect. She can potentially come back. She, or she could just stay there. See, people keep saying that
1: she's earned her place in Valhalla by being the mighty Thor. That that is the big moment. Doctor Foster is now a member of the Asgardians. She has made her way to Valhalla. It is the end point. But understood in mythology that these places are places you can visit. Effectively, unlike our version of heaven, nobody really gets. Uh, taken in Christianity, back from heaven once they're gone. Yeah. Valhalla is a place that pe- that sometimes in the mythology people battle things to get there and you bring can't them get
0: back through the gates. You see, yeah. Saint Peter's a real hard ass. <laughs>
2: he is, and that is the end. Then, yes, yes. The
0: good stuff. Let us get into our defence for Thor, love and thunder. Chris, take us away.
2: Yes, very quickly. Uh, can you hit that button one more time, Derek, please? <laughs> Thank you so much. And that is how much I love this film. Uh, for its craziness, its blackness. it was really good, but also just kind of like, it, it, it. it's it's a good film. I think that's the way. It's a good Thor film. It's a good film. The more I talked about it, the more I reminded why I really enjoyed parts of it. So it's kind of gone up to pretty good now. But it's still not up there in my top yeah. ten. Um I will not rush to rewatch it. I might watch a scene, which is like the Hall of God scene. But unlike No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness, I'm not jumping in to really kind of like, I'm not chomping at the bit to watch this a second, third, fourth, fifth time. That being said, it's just a strong, good film. And that's that's not bad because you could also get a really bad film. Mm -hmm. And that's not this. So (laughs) there you go. That's how much, what I defend in terms of this. Excellent. Derek, do you defend Thor, Love and Thunder?
1: Yes, I do. Um, Best Thor movie, I guess. Um, Ooh, yeah, enjoyed enjoyed the first one. Uh, second one has some, some good bits to it, and I've watched it many times. Uh, Ragnarok, I've fallen asleep. I think every time I've tried to watch that uh, <laughs> after seeing it in the cinema. Um, this is really enjoyable. The storyline is really good. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing it again. He, well, it's out in 45 days, I think, or 50 days. <laughs> uh, so I will uh, definitely be watching it again. Um, I I really enjoyed it. A uh, good job done by everybody. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing it again. How about you, John? What did you think overall? What's, uh, do you defend uh, Thor Love and Thunder?
0: Yeah, I do. I, I do defend uh, Thor Love and Thunder. I'd give it four Screaming Goats out of five. You can get yeah. one. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just I just really enjoyed this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the weakest parts of it really were Korg the guardians were like elements there mm-hmm. and after that I found myself laughing through this through this movie and I loved the performances of of Christian Bale of Natalie Portman and, and Chris Hemsworth here I think yep. the story just was the great balancing act that uh Taika Waititi can do mm-hmm. um, and and the stuff that I love him for and it, it translated and I really enjoyed it. Uh, so yeah, I do defend, uh, Thor Love and Thunder, with uh, four Screaming Goats out of
1: five. Fantastic. Let's get some thoughts from our fellow Defenders as well with uh, some feedback. First up, we got an email in from Coffee and Vodka who says, Greetings, fellow eternity-seeking Defenders. Switching to movie mode after the long spell of streaming miniseries isn't instantaneous. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness suffered from the earlier and superior release of Everything Everywhere All at Once, so slipped the mind with its more surface-level narrative soon after viewing. Thor, Love and Thunder doesn't suffer under such unintended comparison and is directed by our lord and master Taika Waititi. Even with this, it was a bit jarring to see what would be six episodes condensed down to a minutes long introduction. Once into the proper movie though, It was all the perfect romp and circumstance we've come to expect from the greatest storyteller of our time. Sorry, am I gushing? The Thor we get is an interesting amalgamation of what we've seen to date, including Party Thor. So, you know, like extreme bonus. And the introduction of Tooth Gnasher and Tooth Grinder is epic. Speaking of which, their entrance to Sweet Child of Mine into Zeus's cathedral, sweeping up our heroes was absolutely fantastic. Thor and Jane's relationship woes hit home in an uncomfortably realistic way, but it also channeled that unlived, but often fantasized, what if moment, should we see them again? That is, I assume, never having been in such a situation. Anyway, moving on, Jane's struggle with stage 4 cancer, near temporary curse and cure and the heroic closure to her story was wonderfully portrayed. It's easy to see why she decided to return to a franchise that had formerly done her no favours. Christian Bale's gore is affecting in his insidious but understandable evil, such gravitas. The final battle was imaginative, complete with a killer teddy, and love won in the end. Thor's now a stepdad, and we've got Hercules to look forward to. Oh, and two seconds of Lady Sif. Finally, the subtext of the gods being both useless and self-serving is a perfect message for the kids attending this movie. The Necrosword's potential connection to the Symbiote Universe, Celestials and Eternity as Easter eggs here near the end of Phase 4 is a bit annoying, creating more questions than answers. Remember when it was all about Kang? Anyway, all roads seem to be leading to secret wars, so we've got that. In the end, a Marvel movie's only as good as its rewatchability factor and Thor Love and Thunder has it in spades. Five wonderfully bratty hammer bearers out of five. Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. Excellent. Thanks so much, Coffeebacker.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. And I agree. Uh, all roads are leading to Secret Wars. That is what we're going to <laughs> yes. get. And it will not be the original. It will be the Jonathan Hickman like, phased re- reworking of Secret Wars. But yeah, everything is going to that.
0: Yeah, excellent stuff, uh, coffee and vodka. Uh, I really like, uh, the description you give of Molnier being the curse and cure, mm-hmm. effectively, you know, in, in some ways, a little bit mirroring, at least on one side of the Necro Swords, uh, effect on on gore as well so mm. yeah really good stuff uh, thanks coffee and vodka we also got an email from robert williams mm. hey guys been listening for a while and i have to say some to most of the time i enjoy your breakdown than the actual show or movie well thank you very much robert hopefully we've done uh, thought love and thunder proud uh, as well <laughs> uh I have so much to say about this movie. I hope you have time to go through all the Easter eggs. I just wanted to share my favorite at the end with Korg, Taika Watiki. talks about meeting his husband, Dwayne, who is a reference to the famous actor, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh man, good stuff. Uh, Cheers and thanks again for all the great content. P.S. Do you guys have an Eat My Hammer line for yourself? Thanks, Robert. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Um, I actually had not connected Dwayne the Rock Johnson to be honest, uh, so I like that scene even more now.
1: Yes, I think he's actually wearing the outfit from uh, from that <laughs> old meme again yeah. uh, for, of, of Dwayne Johnson's from uh, from the eighties. Remember that? Sorry, the nineties <laughs> when it's young Dwayne in his awful, awful life, and I good think he's wearing the same stuff. outfit. So uh, very good, Robert.
2: Yes, thank you so much, Robert. And in terms of a catchphrase uh me attempting to sing Does, is, that, is that is that zigzag zigzag yeah, I, yes. I was, exactly.
1: yeah they they zigged when i thought they would zag, zag. chris is your actual catchphrase i've yes, ever it heard of that quite a few times uh, yeah. yes
2: it, it's <laughs> too many some would say so much to say i zigged when you thought i would zag
0: mm. <laughs> yeah mm. i guess mine would be you know, keep watching keep listening but i think in the spirit of this i would also say um listen to the rainbow
1: all right all right and um, i guess uh my um i guess my catchphrase is probably uh let's hurry it on and move on to the next uh section um,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that does get said quite a lot <laughs> it really so there does. you go robert that's our catchphrase <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Yeah, thanks, Robert. But speaking of, we have got his catchphrase, so we must move on. Thank you so much, Robert. And moving over to Facebook, we got some feedback from, first off, Dan Lee, who says, I'm honestly not sure what to think of it. Bale was fantastic and totally menacing, but the rest of it, I found the tone to be all over the place. A solid 6 out of 10. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I think we're kind of there, which is... Some of it was great, some of it's not, but overall, solid. It's a solid, solid film.
1: That was the royal, yeah. the royal we from Chris. I think yes. we're a lot higher on it than Chris was. Yes, again, again.
2: And it's the royal we. That is, we believe this to be so. Yeah. Everybody has
1: their own opinions here, Chris. Uh, you and didn't like it as much as we equally
2: did. accepted to be wrong in this opinion. Exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Claire Owen says, I hate to say it, but not even Bale could save this movie for me. I thought it was poorly written, badly acted, apart from Bale, who was truly terrifying. But in the same breath, I can't work out if the ludicrousity, if that's even a word, was because it was potentially told from a certain point of view or because it was just a bad movie it was dij- disjointed tried too hard to be funny and just bad i take eternals over love and thunder and that's saying something
2: Oof. wow claire okay everyone has an opinion see we've just gone mm-hmm. the spectrum there we are there you exactly. have it and each opinion on the spectrum is perfectly valid and true
1: Absolutely. I hated Ragnarok and don't mind saying it to everybody that loves Ragnarok. <laughs> so I, I totally get you, Claire. Uh, sometimes movies just don't connect uh, and sometimes they are seen as terrible by you and other people for some weird reason think they're good exactly
0: uh, it's it's a strange world in which we live in and people's mm-hmm. sort of thoughts because i yeah i mean i maybe it was because i went in with no expectations mm-hmm. of this movie that i thought this was really good and again i guess the repeat viewing you know will i find screaming goats and dare i say it will our fellow, fellow defenders find screaming goats uh funny after this podcast given how how lightly peppered they are through, uh, through this podcast. But uh, yeah, thanks so much, Claire. They've been making me do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Claire.
2: We also got feedback from Donald Dennis, who had this to say. Thor Love and Thunder was inconsistent, but pretty good. It feels like they left out some important parts. I give it four out of five lightning bolts. Natalie Portman and Tessa Thompson were excellent, though it feels like chunks of their relationship was edited out. Chris did a very good job. Thank you very much, Donald. Sorry, i oh, <laughs> Chris. Okay. Star-Lord Chris looked a little less doughy and was more sympathetic than I expected. Again, yeah. thank you. <laughs> God, I, I have been working out. So like you. <laughs> it's pretty obvious that Russell Crowe didn't do the Marvel diet and workout regime. He also totally owned the role and was a joy to watch. Definitely. Not generally a huge fan of Bale, but he did a very good job here. <gasps> Taika Waititi did his usual director thing where he stalls out momentum with an awkward comedy that happened more often than was optimum and will really irritate some folks. I'm really sorry for Derek because I don't think he'll fancy big chunks of the movie based on the way humor is injected. There you go. (laughs) I wouldn't say it's the best MPU film, but I enjoyed myself. If you hated Thor Ragnarok, avoid it at all costs. Otherwise, it's worth watching if you are at all interested. Thank you so much, Donald. Yeah, you really kind of called me out for my best bits. I did my best job. <laughs> I'm looking a little low, less doughy. Um, but also, you gave great feedback. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Great to great to hear from you, Donald. Donald actually reached out to me when I said we were in the cinema watching this just to find out whether I liked this or not. Because he, <laughs> yeah. he genuinely went to the cinema, um, watched this movie, and thought, Derek is going to hate this. So, uh but i liked this better than ragnarok
0: yeah excellent stuff thanks donald uh doug green says i thought the soundtrack was amazing i enjoyed it more than ragnarok yeah it certainly was getting into the rock zone
1: here yeah, uh, it's the greatest hits of guns and roses yeah exactly was was some brilliant. other tunes right yeah, so, uh, exactly my, which is great
0: kind of my end of 80s mm. sort of early 90s childhood so yeah loved the soundtrack uh Brandy Elise Anderson says, I have to say when I went to rank it amongst the other Thor movies, it was like nowhere near as good as Ragnarok and not as bad as Dark World. There are parts of it that I think I might like more than the first Thor. Mm -hmm. Primarily actually sharing a development of relationship between Thor and Jane. Mm -hmm. But there's part of it that I didn't like as much. I'm surprised that I didn't really feel like I was missing Loki. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, Brandy. It is interesting, isn't it, that Loki wasn't there? And yeah, I, I mean, I didn't really think um, that Loki should have been in there or or not, to be honest. So yeah, uh, yeah it was kind of uh, in some ways. I guess that's a good thing that uh, you know to move on. And Loki's got his own dig uh, going on, I yeah. guess, uh, over on on Disney Plus. Yeah, so uh, Do yeah, coming soon. Thanks, Brandy. Uh, Joel Shops and says. It wasn't the home run that I expected, given how much I enjoyed Ragnarok. But it's a solid middle-of-the-pack MCU entry with an excellent bad guy and some amazing visuals. Cheers, Joel. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, that is part of the style of uh, Taika, really, is that he can elicit many different views.
1: Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. Thanks for that, Joe. Dr. Bob Phillips says, once I slip my brain into excited 12 year old mode, I rolled with the story of child soldiers, kidnap, and the most dramatic palliative care journey this world has ever seen. (laughs) Highlights for me were the stage version of the Thor story so far, a shriveled courgette to James (laughs) Foster, and the reveal of the secondary title's meaning at the end. Post credit was a good wrap up to the tale, and if we are now mixing mythologies, perhaps let us see a trip across the River Styx to bring some of those Valhalla residents back, if we need. Let's not talk about Bow the Pudding God. (laughs) Ha <laughs> Thanks, is, that like,
2: is that to the tune of Let's Not Talk About Bruno?
1: Oh, maybe. maybe. Yeah,
2: that could work. That could work. Thank yeah. you so much, Dr. Bob. That's
1: really good. We didn't even get to mention the uh, the stage play coming back uh, from last season with all the same actors involved, yeah. Sam Neill involved and uh, Matt Damon being really involved. That was really good. And, yeah. of course, Chris Hemsworth's brother uh, playing Thor, uh, who was the original actor supposed to play Thor. He was very high up in the running until uh, Chris broke out those abs, um, yes. I think. Christmas was
0: never the same again in the Hemsworth household after that. Uh, I do steel yeah. um, I and mean, at least
1: he has Westworld He's doing yeah
0: well, that, that that that's true that's true but I, I I'm totally with you Bob about sort of getting into the uh, the younger age range mode for for this movie I think mm, that's yeah. probably uh where I was at as well. So
1: yeah, good stuff. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Salima Kisler says, Overall, I liked it, but there was a lot I didn't like along the way. I appreciated seeing the Guardians, but wish they had did a little more with them. When I saw this, that this movie was ahead of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 on the schedule, I was worried that they would just drop Thor off somewhere at the start of the movie and that that would be that. They did a little more than that, but not much. Thor, Mighty Thor, and Valkyrie's costumes were terrific. Matt Damon's theatre troupe keeping going was really funny. New Asgard as a tourist destination was fun, too. (laughs) I love the way they weave Jane's story in with Mjolnir's established MCU history. I wasn't sure where they were going with that after Mjolnir was destroyed, taken into the future, and returned to its place in the sacred timeline. Axel using Stormbreaker to summon the Bifrost the same way his dad used the sword was awesome. Christian Bale was fantastic throughout. Most importantly, a Thor story must include fantastical elements of gods, monsters and beasts. And this movie did a pretty good job of that. I love Brex Goldstein as as Hercules and great to see Heimdall again. And of course, the soundtrack was great. The disrespect of the Warriors 3 continues and I just don't get it. Why does Taika hate them so much? And what the hell are they doing with Sif? Great to see her again, though, and hopefully they'll do more with her in the future. I do agree with other posters about the inconsistent tone. Star-Lord even called Thor out for not knowing who he is in the movie. Quite often they reach too far for the jokes and the romantic comedy elements really didn't work for me. Props to Russell Crowe for going for it and I see what they were going for but hedonistic Zeus didn't land. Part of the problem for me here might be that I've just got done watching the boys and they already do hedonistic superheroes and they do it so much better. I do wish they would have given an in-universe reason for differentiating Jane by calling her Mighty Thor. I also wasn't a fan of sidelining Valkyrie and Jane. I was enjoying watching that group work together, ditto with killing off Jane in the same film where they just had her pick up the hammer but after that post credit maybe we will see her and Heimdall and perhaps other fallen Asgardians again. I'm not sure where they're going with Thor and Gorr's daughter. It seems to me that she would be a better fit with Valkyrie and the other Asgardian children rebuilding the Valkyrie squadron. I'm really intrigued on where they're going to go with Hercules and the tag that Thor will return. Does this mean Thor 5 with Herc as the antagonist, Hercules' solo film with Thor as an antagonist? Will he join the Avengers in the next Avengers movie after a fight with Thor? Disney Plus series could also be an option. I believe Ted Lasso's next season will be its last, so Brett Goldstein is going to be free. Excellent points. Thanks for that, Salim. That's really interesting. So there's, there's an opportunity for Brett Hultstein to, to pop on over to uh, from one streaming service to another.
2: 100%. Yeah. Like Literally, they could do the story of Hercules hunting Thor as a six-part episode seri- episodic series. Yeah. yeah. And, and just that have, could work. Just have
1: Hemsworth pop in at the end uh, for five seconds, and that, that would be yeah. Thor's return. There That's you go. That's
2: Thor's return. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or Thor dies in episode one and it's the redemption of hercules at the until the end where he joins the avengers
1: it could yeah. Be, yeah. all the all the options are open there all the options are open there a really interesting call out from uh, from salim about the warriors three um yeah yeah like we we did criticize how they were treated in ragnarok uh after two movies of featuring them um just killed off in a couple of seconds uh sif we thought killed off off screen. At least they've been able to bring Jamie Alexander back here. um. So that, that at least is really good but Yeah. Here, here they weren't even named. So
2: yes. Or at least they brought back most of her. Yes. Let's, just sure. say, let's say that. Thank you so much, Salim. And I think that is the end of our feedback.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, fellow defenders for the feedback. Really good mm-hmm. uh, to get your thoughts. Please, if you're joining us for the first time, subscribe to the podcast. Um, If you do, there's feedback uh, you can send in to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And of course, we do have our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups. Forward slash TV podcast industries. Mm-hmm. It's been great having you here uh, for our movies coverage uh, yeah. on TV podcast Industries. Absolutely.
1: Next movie we'll be covering is Black Panther: uh, Wakanda Forever, uh, coming out later on this year. So uh, yeah. really excited to see something of that. I guess uh, San Diego Comic Cons coming up this weekend. We'll hopefully see some footage of that uh, at the panel that Marvel are going to be having there. But there's loads more stuff we're covering. As I said, we finished our coverage of uh, Miss Marvel. Uh, finish, finished our coverage of the boys. Started our coverage of Umbrella Academy. Uh, Marvel's back with uh, She-Hulk: Attorney at Law next month, which is guaranteed to be a bit of fun, uh, at least. And then we're going to be covering Neil Gaiman's Sandman over on Netflix next month as well. Really excited to talk about that.
2: Yeah, I look forward to talking about it. We won't be on Netflix. It will be. It's. It is on Netflix. If we were on Netflix, my God, I'd be so happy. <laughs> But thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. If you really like what you hear, don't forget you can head on over to patreon.com slash Industries, where you can support us for an ongoing amount. Or if you want to do a one-off because you just like this movie coverage, head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash tvpi.
0: Yes, guys. I think that is a wrap mm-hmm. for Thor love and thunder uh thank you so much for joining us uh fellow defenders
1: we will be back very soon thanks so much for joining us talk to you next time
0: bye and of course just the final catchphrase of course uh remember fellow defenders to keep watching keep listening and keep screaming
1: Trouble, trouble, trouble. Bye. 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 Hey, fellow defenders, a quick content warning for you. Uh, There may be a little more uh, screaming sheep uh, coming up along with some outtakes from our podcast on Thor Love and Thunder. Hope you enjoy them.
0: Sure.
2: <laughs> oh my god, we use that for every time he coughs. Just don't keep in the edit and just every time. It's like do you want to that kills. It?
0: It's quite close to my cough.
2: <laughs> every time you cough, a baby goat dies. Yeah, and
0: every point, it's starting every point.
2: <laughs> so these kids would be demigods if you want
0: to cough. It well, it, it, it's also the fact that. Because we have grown up in, dare I say it, a, a Christian. Cri- <laughs> dare you say Christ- it wrong? Christi- A yeah. Christian Dale <laughs> type culture. Sorry, a, a Christian culture where. Touching
2: moment talking about Valkyrie's loss of love and mm-hmm. her, yeah. the the loss of her kind of, f- the rest of the Valkyries. Yeah, yeah, but
1: that's all on Tessa Thompson. Like, she's, she's great in that scene. She's really yeah. good in that scene. Um, but those like-
0: moments work as well. I think with Korg for me but it's when he it's the interruption
1: it is the interruption isn't it just in the middle of what I was saying yes I couldn't
0: resist (laughs) I couldn't resist
1: I know